Welcome in to another episode of the Cali Green Monster Show. I am your host, Dean Ryan, coming to you from the Tesla Studios here in, I guess, it's still beautiful San Diego, California, but it's not sunny San Diego, California. Pretty dark clouds here to start our Tuesday morning. Got some drizzle coming in, but can't complain about the weather because... You know, normal, typical SoCal weather, especially being by the coast, it could look pretty dreary and dark, and then by 9 in the morning, we're good to go. So you never know. By the time I publish this podcast, and by the time it's it's blessing your ear holes, it might be a sunny day here in California. So I'm going to keep on the positive and, and anticipate that it will be good. However, there might be rain in the forecast tomorrow, so I don't know. But this isn't a weather show, weather channel show, so I'm going to stop talking about the weather. Typically, people talk about the weather when they're making small talk, when they don't have anything to talk about. But that's not the case here, because I do have things to talk about, and I've got things to say, just like I typically do on a weekday morning. And so, yeah, I will be talking about some March Madness. Now we have the Sweet 16 all set up and ready to go. I want to talk a little bit of Russell Wilson news, so we'll talk a bit of football. And I want to touch base on the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier that debuted last Friday on Disney+. Plus. I thought that was pretty cool, and I am plan on covering that show moving forward. So, um, you know, if, if you haven't seen that episode yet or haven't seen the show, maybe if you haven't even heard of the show, maybe take a pause before you get to the end of the episode. I'll make sure to give a spoiler warning before I talk about that, but consider this your first spoiler warning of the episode when it comes to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But before I talk about any of that stuff, you know, while I was putting on my shoes this morning, you know, I watch either Get Up or Sports Center from on ESPN or ESPN2 every morning depending on what mood I'm in or depending on which channel has commercials at which time. But there was a commercial for those like tricycle motorcycles. I don't know if you've seen them. So it's like it's typical, looks like a Harley, but instead of the back wheel being only solo, it's it's two wheels. So yeah, it's a tricycle. It looks like a tricycle motorcycle. And it was like this badass commercial and it's just like, oh, we're not your typical rider. We're not outlaws. Like all like cool and like had these like, you know, like kind of hipster punk looking like models were doing like kind of posing. And I was like, yeah, you aren't outlaws. You are a different rider. You're fucking nerds like i don't know man it's just i think it's so goofy when you see these guys out there driving and especially if they're all in their you know motorcycle get-ups and looking hardcore but like oh you got your training wheels on it's like if you're gonna drive a fucking motorcycle drive a motorcycle not those tricycle motorcycles so it's like i agree you are a different type of rider you're just completely big fucking dorks so i don't know about you if you're even thinking about that maybe you're someone on the older demographic that thinks that might make you look young and cool trust me it doesn't i mean you can't even lane split i think that's one of the the one things i think that's a cool benefit of motorcycles it's like they're extremely dangerous you know that's one risk factor and kind of like a downside of a motorcycle because i mean let's be real motorcycles don't win in a car accident but, I mean, at least you do have the benefit of when traffic does, re- like, happen again, you'll be able to lane split. However, in this, you know, COVID world, I don't know if the post-COVID world traffic will be a thing. I still have not had traffic in over a year, so that's been really nice. You know, with the Tesla, you're supposed to get these ta- – you can get these tags from California that allow you to be in the HOV lane. It's, like, for three years, I think you get free HOV lane for just one person in the car. 
but you got to slap a sticker on your car and like i'm sorry i don't feel like slapping a bumper sticker on my tesla and i haven't needed it over the past year i mean i got the car back in june so it'll have been a year since i got the car and i haven't needed it so oh well you know moral of that intro that story is don't get those tricycle motorcycles dude it's completely dorky so not cool different rider equals dorky ass rider well all right let's touch base on the ncaa tournament as i mentioned we got the sweet 16 all set up now the last of the round of 32 games were yesterday this tournament has been pretty crazy as i predicted yeah i don't know if it's because all of the games are taking place in one city and one surrounding area or if there's, that there's no fans or that it's a com- combination of both but if you look at over the first two rounds the the underdogs have won 20 times and just straight outright wins and that's the most of any NCAA tournament I think of all time or at least it's the most in like a long time I would I think it's I think it is all time so I mean it has been a pretty crazy tournament I think the key to you know usually a lot of times picking the bracket picking just the favorites is a good strategy but this time I mean if you look at like particularly my group there's no one that's really pulled ahead because the people that are at the top of the rankings are the people that kind of just stuck with the higher seeds winning so a lot of those haven't worked out but then the problem is is that like me and some of the people at the bottom half of the group is that we were picking upsets but ended up picking the wrong upsets like for example i picked three number 12 seeds to win and only one 12 seed ended up winning and it was the one 12 seed that i thought would lose so you know things like that happen you know, there was a 14 seed that won. You've got Oral Roberts, a number 15 seed, who's made it to the Sweet 16. I doubt anyone has predicted that. So, you know, this that's why they call it March Madness. This is madness. You know, any team can win on any day. That's what I think separates March Madness from, you know, the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs and the MLB playoffs is, you know, it's just a one and done. You know, and at least, you know, with the NFL where it's one and done, it's it, but it is only the best of the best teams that make the playoffs. And usually throughout the playoffs, the best teams kind of emerge into the Super Bowl. It's very few times you see a fluky run that makes it. You know, the, the 07 and 2011 New York Giants are teams that kind of come to mind when I think of that. But, you know, March Madness has been it's been really entertaining whether you've been you know if you haven't been paying attention to it and you're a sports fan I think you've made the wrong call because you know whether you don't even have to be a fan of college basketball I think just being a fan of sports it's just pretty awesome it's one game after another when one game ends you pop it onto the next channel and there's about like 10 minutes left in that game and let's be real in basketball there's so much scoring going on I'm one of the people that thinks that basketball is almost overstimulating you know a three-pointer that happens in the first two minutes of the game like almost doesn't even matter a couple minutes later as opposed to soccer you know goal happens it's it's a significant moment it's worth the goal like you know like anytime something happens in basketball I feel like it doesn't really warrant a real reaction from me the audience especially when I'm sitting on my couch until the last five minutes or so so 
at, at least the way the first couple rounds are set up with so many games and the way they, they, they slot the times like back to back, it's been great viewing. And if you filled out a bracket, it's been pretty entertaining to actually have, you know, to be able to root for teams that you would never root for, you know, like me on, on Friday night when I was rooting for Winthrop and they broke my heart, you know, so, so, so some of the highlights from yesterday, you know, USC, they destroyed Kansas 85 to 51. You know, Kansas is one of those, you know, blue chip schools, you know, one of those schools that like is always in the NCAA tournament. When you think of NCAA basketball, I think Kansas is up there with like Kentucky and Duke and North Carolina as one of those, you know, most popular basketball schools. So, so to see USC um, really just demolish them that well, I think that's the biggest defeat Kansas has ever had in the NCAA tournament. So that was pretty impressive. So USC, they're moving on to the Sweet 16 where they've got a matchup with Oregon. Oregon, you know, Oregon, they just knocked out Iowa. Like they were just, you know, they bombarded Iowa with threes. So it didn't matter. It was a really high scoring game. And Iowa, one of their weaknesses was that they didn't know how to defend the three point and it came back to bite them. You know, Oregon got hot and they've moved on. You know, the Pac-12 has been really impressive. You know, just off the top of my head, it's like you've got USC, you've got Oregon and you've got Oregon State. And I think UCLA is in the Sweet 16 as well. So, you know, really impressive performance by the Pac-12. <clears throat> A lot of people were saying the Big Ten was probably one of the most, like, one of the best conferences to be represented going into this tournament. And how funny a weekend can change because almost all the Big Ten teams have been knocked out. You know, the one Big Ten team that's still in it is Michigan, the number one seed. And I think that was a team that a lot of people were predicting to be upset early. You know, even on today's, you know, Sports Center, the NCAA analyst that they had on was still predicting Michigan to be like the first team, the number one seed to be upset in the following, you know, next weekend. So, you know, the Big Ten, they've gone from being hyped that touted as, you know, the best conference of, you know, recent college memory to being considered one of the most overhyped. And it actually seems like it's the, the Pac-12 that, you know, has really impressed a lot of people this year with just their showing. And, you know, because you can't really tell how good these players and how well these teams are going to be, you know, performing the tournament when they're actually there and actually having to make shots when, you know, when the pressure's on. You know, for example, yesterday against Iowa, you know, they were hitting their shots, and that's what you need to be able to do in March. So, you know, Sweet 16, that starts on Saturday. So anyone watching, you know, we got a couple days off of NCAA news. So for any of you that listen to the show that aren't a fan of college basketball, you'll get a nice little reprieve from college basketball unless there's any breaking news or updates or, you know, something along those lines. So but I think in the terms of breaking news or something, the only thing that would really warrant any news or attention from my show would be if a team caught COVID. So, you know, that'd be some bad news. So hopefully you don't hear anything about NCAA basketball for a couple days from the Cali Green Monster show. So moving on to the world of football, Russell Wilson, he's been in the news a lot this offseason. He's been a topic of discussion in this show on a number of episodes you know, ever since he had that interview with Dan Patrick and word from his team came out that he was unhappy with, you know, just how Seattle has surrounded him with protection, 
you know, this has linked him with trades to a number of teams. He had, you know, word from his team is that he had expressed interest in the Saints, the Cowboys, the Chicago Bears, and the Las Vegas Raiders. And I feel like one by one, those options have kind of really, you know, not become real options for Russell Wilson. And, you know, it's, it's seeming to me that he's probably going to stay in Seattle. I would almost put all my money on it that, you know, Russell Wilson is not leaving Seattle. There's a lot of people around the league. And, you know, when you hear interviews from reporters and, you know, just analysts and, you know, people that report on the NFL, you know, they're saying, you know, pump your brakes and not, you know, that a trade could still happen prior to the draft. So until the draft happens, you can't really rule out, Russell Wilson not being traded but you know I think to me he's not getting traded and you know he's really been lobbying to bring people into Seattle or for Seattle to re-sign people you know Seattle recently re-signed their running back Chris Carson and he was really like congratulatory and pumped about him you know welcoming back to the Seahawks so you know he was pretty pumped to have Chris Carson back and now he's lobbying for Antonio Brown Antonio Brown was someone, I think it was last year when he wasn't on a team, he was working out in the offseason with Russell Wilson. So obviously they have some sort of a relationship there. So I don't know if that's like, you know, him going to Seattle and maybe he moves in with Russell Wilson and Ciara and their family and they've got like a Tom Brady situation going up in the Northwest. But, you know, I think that, you know, Antonio Brown in Seattle, you know, in addition to bringing back Chris Carson, if they can all stay healthy, you know, with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and Antonio Brown, shit, Russell Wilson, man, he could really cook. I mean, it'd almost be like, how does this guy get sacked if, you know, you don't really almost have to worry about the offensive line because if you have that many weapons, especially coming out of the backfield and lining up at receiver, you're almost going to, you're guaranteed to have someone open on every single play. So if they can somehow get Antonio Brown to go to Seattle, that would, I think, <clears throat> I think that that would be a good move. You know, watching Antonio Brown play for the Buccaneers last year, he made a lot of good plays. I felt like whenever the ball came to him, he made the catch. So I felt, I still think he has a lot of good football left in him. You know, before he went crazy and just, like, forced himself out of Pittsburgh and, you know, out of the Raiders and got kicked off the Patriots. Like, before all that shit happened, he was really on pace to be basically the most productive and best wide receiver since Jerry Rice. So, I mean, that guy's still there. The talent's still there. And if the guy can still, you know, he proved last year that – I don't know if it's because he was living with Tom Brady and Tom Brady just having, you know, working some sort of magic to help Antonio Brown walk the straight line. But, you know, he's proven that he can be productive and help win a championship. So, I mean, that's obvious why Seattle wants him. I still think Antonio Brown, you know, is probably going to wind up back in in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has been, you know, basically bringing the band back. They've already re-signed Gronk and Chris Godwin and Levante David and um, Shaq Barrett. So, you know, I, I think that Antonio Brown and Donovan Sue and Leonard Fournette, they're next. You know, Antonio Brown has even come out and said that him and playoff Lenny are going to work things out to, you know, come back to Tampa Bay. So, you know, <clears throat> I think reports from Ian Rappaport from NFL Network. He's mentioned that if he does go back to Tampa Bay, he's probably going to have to do it on a discount because Tampa Bay is probably going to bring him back on a on a prove-it deal. I don't know if that's because there's just probably not that much money left after bringing back, you know, all these dudes. But, 
So if maybe if Seattle comes in with a, a tantalizing offer that makes, you know, because Antonio Brown lost a lot of money. You know, he signed a big contract with the Raiders and had to basically give that all back. So he's lost tens of millions of dollars. And, you know, he regardless of if he still has it and he can still be productive, he really, you know, he's in his mid-30s, so he's only got so much time left to play in this league. So he's definitely going to try to probably recoup some of that lost wages that he had over the past couple of years just from you know from his own self-doing but so you know Antonio Brown to Seattle that's not out of the question but you know if I had to make a prediction I think that Antonio Brown goes back to Tampa Bay back to playing with Tom Brady and tries to win another Super Bowl with the Bucks. all right let's switch out of sports let's talk some Marvel more specifically let's talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier their debut episode was last Friday. This is being recorded on a Tuesday, so this is about like four or five days after it's debuted. So hopefully you've seen it. If not, this is your spoiler warning. Spoiler warning! Get out of here! Oh, oh my God, it's about to happen! All right, so that was your spoiler warning. So, you know, with WandaVision, you know, I was... I would. When I first started covering that, I was almost doing like full show reviews. So that's not what I'm going to try to do here. I'm just going to kind of pick, you know, basically main points or main things that happen in the episode. And I think of like when talking through them, I will like be giving summaries, I guess, by, I guess, talking about, you know, my opinions on certain shit that happened. So let's start right off with it. The opening scene. We got my boy George St. Pierre. He's just causing trouble up again in the MCU universe, more specifically the Captain America universe. You know, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, started very similar with, you know, Captain America and Black Widow showing up with a crew of team trying to stop, you know, GSP. I guess he's a, you know, he's a French terrorist that's just always, you know, he's hijacking a boat in Winter Soldier and he gets away. You know, in this episode now, it's or to, to lead off this series, it's now Falcon trying to rescue. Basically, it's like a hijacked plane that's trying to get to Libya, I believe. So, you know, Falcon's, you know, sees that it's hijacked and by one another, you know, GSP, the French terrorists, they're back at it again. They stole a boat the first time. You know, they're going to try their chances now with the plane. Long story short, you know, Falcon, you know, he whoops some ass. The French people try to get away. And, you know, they get in a helicopter and sure shit, when it blows up, GSP gets away. And it's pretty funny because I was asking my wife, you know, George St. Pierre, or I don't because I, I don't know what his character is in this show. I think it's called like Georges Barak or something like that. But we're just going to call him George St. Pierre, GSP, when talking about him. You know, I was asking her, you know, he's he's obviously a badass dude in this universe, but I always think it's weird when like normal people in the MCU decide to be villain villains, especially when there's like known superheroes and people that, you know, are out there stopping terrorism and stopping intergalactic threats and stuff like that. And I'd be like, dude, you'd have to have some big balls to get into the, the villain or terrorist business. Even if you have the, the martial arts background of George St. Pierre. And my wife was like, well, I mean, He's obviously doing a good job. He keeps getting away. And it's true, man. He, like, got away, in you know, in the Winter Soldier. And then he got away this time. <clears throat> and I feel like they should almost, like, do a little, like, 
a real GSP cameo. Like every time he gets away, you know, he was like in the plane and like right be- or a helicopter and like right before it blew up, he like just jumped out of the plane and got away. And like he should almost be like, I'm not impressed with your performance and just like gets away. And it'd be like pretty sweet. A shout out to the GSP fans. And, you know, it'd be like a nice like a uh, little, you know, that, that cheeky French bastard. He just keeps getting away and he always has a witty little a little line every time he does so you know if i'm writing this show or if gsp's coming back i'm hoping he you know he has some of that gsp uh snark or something you know when he does so i don't think it's the last time we see george barack or gsp i think he'll be coming back on this show you know i was wondering so is the original captain america steve rogers is he dead so you know at the end of end game you know we see Captain America basically come back. He looks like an old man. Kind of looks like, honestly, like Joe Biden in a way. I don't know. Maybe it's one of those old, all old white men look the same. But yeah, I think, you know, so we now we know Captain America, he's probably like over 100 years old. So, you know, I, I, is he still alive? Because during the opening of that, like, Captain America museum, you know, Falcon is basically telling everybody, like, he's gone. You know, Steve Rogers is gone. He's not coming back, you know, and he donates his she- the shield, the, you know, to the museum, which is already kind of like in question. You know, Captain America literally like held on to that shield all through time, watched all this crazy shit was happening while he was an old man, held on to the shield and, you know, gave it to him. You know, he wanted Falcon to be the new Captain America. So, you know, I think that was kind of a, you know, a bad move on his part and, You'll see later as when I finished covering the show, it ended up being a a pretty bad move on his part that so I don't know if if Captain America is, you know, did he give him the shield and then giving the shield? Did he just decide I'm going to die now? Or like, is he just like sitting there like an old man? Like, yep, you know, just in a chair somewhere. So I don't know. Maybe he will come back. Maybe he won't. I think that's a little ambiguous now. So, you know, I, I think that we'll probably will see some sort of Steve Ro- Steve Rogers show up, whether it'll be old man Steve or if young Steve Rogers shows back up. But, you know, I don't think we've, you know, I don't think we've seen the last of him. It looks like that in this show, the big villain group is like a group of people that, you know, I don't know if they're considered a terrorist group. They probably are. I mean, they're they're creating mayhem and striking terror and fear into people. But it's these people that wear masks, and I guess they favored the world during the blip when half the people were gone. Because I guess during that time, it was almost like a world without borders. So I think these people thought that, you know, the world was better that way. You know, they talk about at the beginning of the show, I think it was uh, War Machine. I'm trying to remember I'm trying to Rhodes. I'm trying to remember his name. It's slipping my name. It'll slip in my head right now. But at the beginning, when he's talking to Falcon, he's talking about how the world is just like a complete mess, you know, since, you know, they got rid of Thanos and everything. And, you know, so I think that, you know, this group of people that probably thinks that, hey, the world without borders was a pretty nice world. So it seems like they're going to be causing mayhem. They, like, they seem to, you know, gather in mobs and, they used like this mob technique to distract from 
heisting something and in the middle of that you see that there's probably a superhuman dude so there's definitely going to be like a main supervillain amongst that group so that's you know something to keep an eye on from this show that you know they're probably going to have some big plot that falcon and the winter soldier are going to have to you know stop the winter soldier he's out there trying to make amends for you know all the stuff he did while he was brainwashing and he was an assassin for hydra you know he's you see him having basically a therapist session and he's having a hard time you know processing shit you know when we see him and meet him in winter soldier he's completely you know brainwashed and even during civil war he still like has can be under control of hydra and people can still take control of them if they say certain words so it wasn't until he went to wakanda and they pretty wiped his brain and made him clean that you know now he's the you know the white wolf as they call him when wakanda or the winter soldier you know bucky is now more bucky than he's ever been since since he was in you know the first avenger so you know he's it's pretty cool kind of seeing him have to you know have real human emotions and you know realize okay he He's now officially what Captain America was fighting for in Civil War. You know, in Civil War, he was just kept talking about, like, you know, he was brainwashed. Like, this is my friend Bucky. Like, I feel like now you're kind of seeing, like, okay, now this is Bucky. And, you know, throughout the show, you kind of see that he is buddies with this, like, older Asian man. And I was telling my wife, and I'm like, oh, he's probably friends with this old Asian man because, like, he's, like, himself is, like, 100 years old or something like that. So he probably has more to relate with this older Asian gentleman than he does with anyone else. But, you know, you find out by the end that he's actually the father of someone he killed, you know, and and it wasn't a person that he killed because the person was nefarious or had bad intentions. It was just a person that was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that's what his older, that's what his friend had said. It's like his, that, you know, all he heard about his son, you know, he went on a trip and all they said about his death was that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time and never knew anything about it. So that was a pretty, you know, nice little gut punch there at the end of the episode when you reveal that, you know, it, it, this show has, I feel like it's been great so far, you know, was like how WandaVision, I wasn't too stoked, you know, when I first heard about it, but as the show progressed and things started to be revealed, it just became a great show. And same with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. When it started, or before it started, it wasn't didn't seem like the most exciting idea. But these writers in the show, they, I mean, they seem like they're putting together a really great show. You know, that was like one of the first big moments. I was like, oh, damn, like <laughs> like bringing you back and wanting to see more, you know, like like a nice little swerve. You know, and then kind of like the, the other big moment they, let, they left us off with at the end was the reveal that, they have a new captain america now and that was just you know it was totally like a big big like slap in the face to falcon who you know he basically gave up the the shield by saying that like you know he couldn't be captain america because he felt that no one could be captain america you know steve rogers was captain america and and only he could really like take up the mantle of that so you know i think he gave up that shield you know to be part of the museum you know he didn't give it up so someone else could be captain america and let alone like a white captain america that's what i thought was kind of like oh shit like is that what they're also kind of implying like you know because they like you know when he donated it there wasn't like they were like 
the people that were accepting the shield or the people that were or the government people that were doing this museum were like, oh, hey, no, like he gave it to you. They were like pretty like, yeah, give us the shield, you know, and they were pretty quick to have a new Captain America. And then when like reading up about this, apparently this new Captain America, I don't know if it if if I forget if they announced it when they introduced him, but I think his name's John Walker. And apparently in the comics, he came around in like a 1980s storyline and John Walker was selected to be Captain America when I guess Steve Rogers was like out due to like, I don't know if it was political differences or I don't know what was happening. But at some point in the 1980s storyline, John Walker is a Captain America. And when I'm reading about that, I guess what's also interesting is that when John Walker was selected Captain America in the storyline, that Falcon was also, I guess, like in the running for Captain America and I guess in the in the comics that John Walker got the nod for Captain America because they thought that America wasn't ready for a black Captain America so I don't know if that's what they're kind of implying here by you know as soon as Falcon gives up the shield they immediately give it to this white dude to be the new Captain America because apparently America needed a symbol of hope and you know that's only Captain America can provide that so you know that was pretty interesting you know it's kind of be you know I I think it's gonna be pretty interesting to kind of see how this guy turns out if he's gonna be a good or a bad guy you know from what I've read about him he's been both an ally and a foe for Captain America or Steve Rogers in the past so Apparently, he's super patriotic. He's all about America. But apparently, that like that could be a detriment to him because, and I guess in the comics, he has been taken advantage of by corrupt politicians before. So, you know, it'll be interesting to kind of see where they're going to go here with this fake Captain America, how that's going to work out. And then one more thing before I kind of wrap up the show and kind of wrap up talking about Cat, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think one of the other like kind of like main things that kind of like stuck out to me that just like was a big like WTF moment was finding out that the Avengers like didn't get paid or like got any sort of compensation or anything from basically saving the world or just all the stuff that they do. You know, I mean, Falcon has been, you know, a, a pretty significant part of the MCU since Winter Soldier you know he's been involved with yeah like saving the world you know from from Thanos and all that stuff and you would think that these people would almost have like a a reprieve from taxes or have gotten something you know for being heroes and basically not just saving the country but saving the entire world and and universe and so when falcon's trying to help his family you know get a loan and try, so they can save their their fishing business and not have to sell their family's boat like i mean they're getting de- they got denied their loan and i mean the banker was even asking him like you know tony stark didn't pay you guys and you know falcons like well it doesn't work like that and i don't know i'm sitting there like well then how the hell what the hell how does it how else does it work i mean how doesn't like i mean tony stark's dead at this point but even before then like how does no one pay these guys like for example like tony stark had tons of iron man suits so i'm just trying to think of like how expensive each of those iron man suits cost like you know you look at like i was i looked up the price of a fighter jet and a fighter jet costs about like I think like thirty million dollars, and like they probably end up costing even more. So like an Iron Man suit is basically 
a suit that's its own fighter jet and you imagine that it's higher technology so it probably costs even more for him to assemble and build so i don't know if he's saving costs because he's building it himself but i'm sure the materials cost a shitload of money so let's just say each iron man suit costs about 30 million dollars and he makes tons of them and even the the ones that aren't manned when he has a little army of like iron man suits so it's like tony stark can spend tens and hundreds of million dollars on iron man suits and that's not including his homes and cars and stuff like that but falcon's family like he can't even qualify for a fucking loan like that's insane so they're hopefully they're gonna address that because i have a hard time thinking that you know falcon or you know uh Hawkeye or any one of these guys they go out and save the world and then they gotta go drive in their their Hyundai you know on their way home it's like no way dude so (laughs) hopefully you know one of the things with the show is that the Avengers and these superheroes get some sort of compensation for for putting their neck on the line and you know so they can actually get a fucking loan to save their their fishing business or whatever it is they need so this show I think is going to be great I was impressed with the first episode when it ended. I was like, oh, damn, like that was a quick like 40 something minutes. You know, it was a nice it was nice compared to Justice League, which was long as fuck. And, you know, I don't know. I didn't think it was as enjoyable. So definitely more of a fan of the MCU. That's why I probably will keep talking about the MCU. And I mean, that's probably why there's ton. There is so much more to talk about the MCU. They're better and they put out more content and it's better content. So Hopefully enjoyed that. Hopefully enjoyed me talking about some <laughs> that show. Hopefully enjoyed the sports chatter. You know. So until next time, I'm Dean Ryan. This has been a Cali Green Monster show. I appreciate everyone that takes their time to take a listen to this show. Head over to Apple Podcasts to rate and rate review. Subscribe. Um, subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on Audible. Um, yeah. But until next time, have a great one, guys. Peace.